sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Happy Friday. Don't we all need it? This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia for the next two hours giving you the distraction you need. We may not know who the next president will be, but we can give you all of the information as far as fantasy football is concerned, DFS is concerned, and in Major League Baseball, we've learned you can go home again. That's how we start the show today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Pizzapia17. And as we wait for the results, like everybody else, ah, forget it. I'm off that channel. I'm here on Sports Grid for the weekend. I'm more interested in sports wagering. BYU tonight against Boise State. Houston against Jacksonville on Sunday. Florida versus Georgia on Saturday. That's where my mind is at, Joe. How about yours? No, I love it. I should turn to the big board right now. And what I'm going to do is going to start moving some things around here and show you exactly where the fantasy shares are going. But actually, all the votes are in. They've been counted and certified and it's official. We are awesome. So there you go. Welcome for two hours to get away from everything. A little fantasy, a little break from reality. Never hurt anybody. No, it certainly didn't. And uh, we start off today with our top stories here on the show. We actually have a really good one to discuss today. And of course, the Thursday night game did go on. We'll start off with that. The uh, Packers 49ers was not much of a game. It was early. It was often. It was an onslaught by the Packers. (laughs) I did not watch one second of the second half. I didn't need to. The 49ers just fell completely flat. I was disgusted. I was upset. But somebody did throw Jordan Reed in a lineup against me last night, and I thought that was pretty cool to wake up to and see this morning with that one glorious point that he got. They should have played Smelly. I told you earlier in the week, you should have played Smelly. All about the smell. Richie James. They should have played Richie James. They should have played. Yeah, we all had that one. We all had that one. You know what's going to happen? We're going to get to November 6th, and Richie James is going to be the number one wide receiver in fantasy football, and he's going to do it on a Thursday night. I remember saying that three months ago. Yeah. Uh, Raiders lose a draft pick over a protocol, Mm -hmm. so this is something we're going to have to keep an eye and it looks like they're making an example of the Raiders and they got fined as well they just I, I guess decide they don't want to wear masks and they want to have parties okay well then you're going to lose a draft pick I guess that's the way that that goes but perhaps the biggest story of all today is the Red Sox rehiring Alex Cora as their manager so we'll focus in on that talk more about that Bob Nightingale from USA Today reported that the Indians uh, want to trade Francisco Lindor before opening day and look, you know, I want a lot of things too, but the reality is there's not not a lot is going to happen right now until we know if there's a DH or not and, and if there's going to be fans or not. It's going to be slow for the next month, trust me. Mike Trout wins his eighth Silver Slugger Award. 12 is the record. It's Barry Bonds. I'm sure he will catch him. And then a very big game in college football tonight, which could affect the playoff landscape. BYU plays at Boise State. General, that's a really tough place to play. But ironically, Joe, BYU, if they win this game, have a great shot to finish in the Final Four. Again, Notre Dame beats Clemson, things change. Uh, but BYU is 7-0, and and I believe Boise State is 2-0. and And it just shows you, it's like, who, you know, it's like a lot of teams just <laughs> haven't played a lot of games. BYU played the first college football game of the season, and, and they look, they look, to me, they look like they deserve to be there. They have a great defense, and they just run you. They run it down your throat. The quarterback is pretty good, too. But BYU is a three-point road underdog at Boise State. But Alex Cora becomes a very interesting story here because now we have A.J. Hinch going to Detroit. 
And we have Alex Cora going back to Boston. And it seems pretty universally, at least on the Red Sox side, they're very happy about rehiring him. They had a lot of other choices, but they chose to go back to their guy. Yeah, uh, look, and it's funny because just last week we were talking about what? Whether or not Hinch and Cora, fantasy reality, would both be back or both have a job. And you know what? They do. And I'm not surprised that the Red Sox went back here. I feel like the Red Sox basically just told everybody, hey, 2020 is going to be a hard pass across the board. Sales hurt. We we have Eduardo Rodriguez hurt. It's a short season. Things are not going our way. We're trading Mookie bets. Uh, The manager is going to have to go away for a little while. We have to kind of put him in timeout. And then we're going to come back. And 2021 will be the Red Sox again. It's starting to feel like that. And I think that's going to be one of the great offseason questions is how much are all of us collectively, whether it be wagering, whether it be fantasy, buying back into the Red Sox? God knows they have a lot of talent there. JD's still there. Devers is there. Bogarts is there. If Sale is healthy, we'll see what Eduardo Rodriguez is. We'll see what kind of offseason moves they have. But maybe, just maybe, Craig, the biggest offseason move is bringing Cora back and basically just saying, okay, forget 2020, just throw it away. It doesn't mean anything. And here you go. Him and Hinch are back after their timeout. And I'm okay with it. I know a lot of people aren't, but you know what? This is they're good at their job and they're going to get hired because they're good managers. Again, baseball is more complicated than what people want to make it out to be. So I think this is a smart move from the Red Sox. What did you think about this move? Yeah, yeah, Cora is a good manager. So I'm happy to see him back for sure. I don't know which way they're going to go next year because Heim Bloom. <laughs> is not necessarily the guy that's being brought in, I don't think, to bump that payroll back up to $300 million, but uh, maybe he is. I, I don't know. He's the Ray school of thought, so I'm not sure. But I will tell you this. If there was one team in Major League Baseball that got a complete mulligan this year, it was Boston. Nobody cares. Nobody paid attention. They were horrible. They're getting a top-five draft pick. They dumped <laughs> some salary. They actually played it right. Like they're, they're the one team that was horrible that you could say, wow, they got – you know, no one really – cared because there was no fans there was no angst now i don't know that they could get away with that two years in a row but i I gotta tell you if the red sox had played a a full 162 this past year and lost 100 games in front of fans oh they there would be a lot of yelling and screaming going on Mm -hmm. but they sort of were able to do that without having to endure it and and (laughs) exactly you can't really say a lot of positive from the season in baseball but the red sox are kind of like Let's just put this under the rug and move on like it never happened. And, you know, I I think that they're okay with that, ironically speaking. All right, our fantasy standouts from last night's game, most of them on the side of the Packers, of course, but a couple of guys on the 49ers did show up if you ended up using them in one of the competitions last night. We'll get to that next. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on this Friday. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. If you dare watch Thursday Night Football, sometimes you'll be entertained and sometimes you'll Get a game like last night where basically the game was going very quickly. Before we get into the fantasy standouts, I ask you this. What, what is going on with Nick Mullins? What, what, why did I think Nick Mullins was good? Why do I continue to think that? And then I see last night and think, what was I thinking? Look, I know that a lot of guys were out, but Joe, like this guy, I mean, how can he look good? so good one week and then 
I, I can't make a case for him after last night. I'm, it's just bizarre to me. I don't know. Well, I mean, let's let's also keep let's have a little perspective. They also had no George Kittle, no Ayuk, no Debo Samuel, no Kendrick Bourne. The times where you've seen Nick Mullins look good. In fact, one of George Kittle's best games ever, if you recall, a couple years was ago, Garoppolo was hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was with was with Nick Mullins. So I think taking away a full uh, group of compliments, not to mention players of the offensive line, not there. You know, I, I think there's a that's kind of what you're seeing. I think you're seeing that Nick Mullins in the proper spot. Like if he was for the Cowboys, right? I was thinking of this last night. You know, if Nick Mullins was the backup for the Cowboys, I'd feel pretty good if I was the Cowboys right now. Like I think that guy could go out and do some stuff. But yet again, this is another quarterback that sometimes trying to make too many things happen. And unfortunately, you can't do that. You end up turning over the football. Yeah. And then you watch Aaron Rodgers on the other side of this game. He's getting pressured. He's rolling out. There's no play. What do you do? Uh, you throw it away. And I think that is the difference. It's it's the understanding of the quarterback position. It's not always about making the play. Sometimes it's about making the throwaway, taking the sack, living to fight another day at the position. And I think that's something that you just don't see right now with a lot of these guys, a quarterback right now in the NFL, except the elite guys like Aaron Rodgers and, and the Tom Brady's and those dudes. And Aaron Rodgers is back to being elite, that's for sure, because he threw yeah. four touchdown passes last night. 305 yards at this point in the MVP voting. FanDuel has it. Wilson and Rodgers, one and two. So could be one of those two guys coming right down to the end. We'll see. Mullins' numbers in the end were okay, but uh, you know the first half numbers were so poor. It was all garbage time. 22 of 35, 291, one touchdown, one interception. Aaron Jones ended up playing and didn't really do all that much, so it sort of stunted everybody at running back for the Packers. 15 carries, 58 yards, five receptions, 21 yards, a 10-point output for a running back. It's like, uh, I guess as a flex, you'd live with that in 2020, but not really as an RB2. Uh, Devontae Adams, another monster game, another back-to-back game with 30 fantasy points, 10 catches, 173 yards, and a touchdown. The guy has been as good as anybody in the league. Uh, Valdez Scanling actually had a good game. That's a miracle. Two receptions, 53 yards, <laughs> two touchdowns for him. I mean, that's. I think that's two more touchdowns than he ha- has had all year, I'm pretty sure. And then Richie James was the only target on the side of San Francisco. So I suppose if players miss games moving forward, then Richie James could get an opportunity. But look, Marquise Goodwin was a nothing two years ago. He showed up one game, had a you know huge game, two touchdowns, and they mm-hmm. decided to play him a little bit more. So uh, look, Richie James probably unowned, I'm going to say, in 90 fantasy leagues, Joe. Maybe the 49ers feel like he's got a little bit more. And what they've used him for. I know he's played in the past two and he's always been the third or the fourth wide receiver there, mm-hmm. but maybe he's earned a little bit more of a role off this performance. We'll see. Well, look, at least with the health the last two years of Debo Samuel, I think this is a guy in those 16 team leagues that you might want to throw on a roster going forward if he's still out there. And that's because Debo hasn't been healthy the last couple of years. Let's be honest. As talented as he is, he hasn't been healthy. They drafted Ayuk, spent some big time draft capital on him. He's been good at times. Obviously, he wasn't able to play this week. But who knows? I mean, look, Richie James also was wide open in this game. So I don't know if that was by design or just at a certain point they said, hey, we're okay. If Richie James is going to be the guy to beat us, that's fine, whatever right. it is. But Richie James was open without like 10 yards of people in this game at times. I think the fascinating thing to take away here was the game plan that LaFleur and company kind of ran out here because early going in this game, there's a lot of questions whether or not Aaron Jones would be healthy enough to play and then how much of that workload you would get. Well, guess what? The first few plays of this game was all Aaron Jones. They just absolutely fed him the ball, right? So I think that really caught San Francisco off guard. So what happened? San Francisco made the adjustment. What was the adjustment? Well, we can't let Aaron Jones beat us. He's going to grind us to death. We got to bring everybody up. 
So they did. They brought everybody up. Next thing you know, you got single coverage on Adams, on MVS, and Aaron Rodgers starts throwing passes that look like they're hitting rain clouds. This was ridiculous, Craig. If you watched this football game last night, I'm talking about lollipops. I'm talking about rainbows. I'm talking about it was raining on the field because Aaron Rodgers was throwing footballs into the clouds, and it was almost hilarious to watch. You're, you're watching him kind of wheeled back, throw these balls, and they would go, oh, boom, right into somebody like Devontae Adams or MVS or somebody like this. It was almost too easy at certain times for him, and uh, San Francisco just secondary-wise, they have issues anyway. They are incredibly inconsistent. They give up big plays. But once they brought everybody up there to stop Aaron Jones, that was basically the ball game because Aaron Rodgers took advantage of that. Nobody can yep. cover single coverage Devontae Adams. Sometimes even with help, you can't cover him. And you go by the last two games, something like 22 for 28 for 250 yards and four touchdowns for Devontae Adams. Just kind of Drink that in for a moment right there. So a really important get-right game for the Green Bay Packers. No doubt about that, especially after the bad loss. So they're back on track. And look, going forward, the other good takeaway here is we kind of killed the Packers a little bit for not getting after the quarterback. Yesterday they did. And I would say that last night, that was very important for that defense because uh, in weeks past, they have not pressured the quarterback. They have not gotten after it. And it really took its toll on them in that Minnesota loss. So good job by them. We'll see if they can keep that going. And sometimes you have that after a bad loss in division opponent, you kind of get a little mad. You turn things around defensively and that's what the pack did. So this game was over at halftime, as you alluded to earlier. Yeah, it really was. And so I was shifting around doing other things and and then I was going to decide, <laughs> do I stay up until midnight to see the Mandalorian or do I just shut it down? And I shut it down. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll watch it tonight and, and watch episode two for sure. Um, a, a quick note here before we go to our start sits, it looks like we have somebody could be potentially sitting this week. Golden Tate for the New York Giants. I, I didn't see this. I must have got by me somehow, but I guess he was critical and a lot of the comments that he made about the Giants and their offense this week, even though he did score a touchdown. And Joe Judge this morning, the head coach of the Giants, is saying that they may sit him for disciplinary action for talking that way. Now, we also know that uh, Tate is not the first option there. He's not the second option there. He's probably more of the third. But I, I think that this could open up sh uh, some other options and maybe specifically more. We've been waiting for Evan Ingram to have one of these really big games. Maybe <laughs> yeah. this is who would really benefit well, not only that, Craig, but it would shock you to know that Evan Ingram is one of the most targeted tight ends in all of football. You wouldn't know that from the stats because <laughs> it hasn't really all worked out at times. But in terms of opportunity and targets, it's been there. So if Tate is out of this game and Tate is more that yeah. possession wide receiver, you would imagine at least potentially, especially on FanDuel, there's opportunity there from Evan Ingram. And especially when you're looking at what tight end looks like this week, it's that same thing. You, you know, you got the top couple guys there. It's Kelsey all the way at the top of the board. It's Andrews a little bit after that. But Andrews hasn't been great lately. Tight end is a little wacky this week. And it's funny, I was actually toying with the idea in some lineups of Evan Ingram. And then this news came out, and I feel a little bit more confident about maybe having a share or two of him. But look, he's got to convert yeah, his opportunities. That's the problem. He hasn't converted them. Yeah, Washington's defense is pretty good, and, that, and that's who they will go up against this week. So we'll keep an eye on that. We may not know today, but game day on Sunday morning, Joe will be in the house, and he'll help you make that decision. Also, not that it's really fantasy relevant at this point, but Mitchell Trubisky is week to week. He's had a shoulder issue. Again, another story that must have gotten by me that I didn't even know that he had. Uh, so Nick Foles looks like, Joe, no matter if they win or lose, we've been talking about that this week. I think that he is the guy moving forward. Unless uh, if they need to go to a backup, I guess, I don't know, Mike Tomzak available or, or, or Fuller. <laughs> Where's Doug or, Flutie? Uh, Maybe we can get uh, one of those guys back yeah, in Yeah, it's really sad. It's really sad. I, I think it's Foles, and that's Zach. it, right? Like, it seems like that's it. 
<sighs> it's you know it's always a good Friday when you get a Mike Tomzak reference. Let's just put it that way. That that's where we, we are. It's been a long week for everybody. It's, yeah, it's been at least three days. At least three. Days I was gonna go Mike McMahon, Tom. but that's way too easy. No, I mean, it was Mike Tomzak. It was him. Uh, and, and, you know, and what Kyle Orton, I think had a, had a decent year once for the bears. He, you remember he was that? good for them one year. He was yeah. very good. I mean, for and still, and yeah. still here we are. The bears organization has still never had a quarterback throw for 4,000 yards in a season. And that is just stunning to me. I don't care how windy it is in Chicago. I'm sorry. In this modern age of football, that is a stunning statistic that I still can't even believe is true, but it is. Yep. All right. Our start sit segment is coming up. Speaking of the Bears, should you be playing David Montgomery this week of the Bears against the Tennessee Titans? Maybe there are some better options at running back. We'll go over that as well. But Chris has the news update, so make sure you stay tuned to that. Also, a little bit later, Jim Sanis will be in the house. We'll go over all of the FanDuel DFS options. We'll have some of his stacks. Howard Bender also with me on our super contest leans for the week ahead. We'll be right back on Fantasy Sports today after the update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you. And Joe will be back with you guys on Sunday morning for another edition of Fantasy Game Day, getting you ready for... I mean, we do start and sit here, but truthfully, a lot of these games, you do have to wait until the weekend. And we could spend another 10, 15 minutes on every team that's had a COVID issue. But for this episode, we're just going to roll with who we got here and hope for the best. Uh, You know, panic sort of set in on Thursday night's football game. They were able to play that. And I think the difficulty Mm -hmm. here... Is, is being on the safe side for sure, but also understanding that there are some definite false positives here that we're dealing with this year. So um, you know, that could have derailed uh, San Francisco's shot to cover. I don't think they had a shot to win that game, but maybe a shot to cover in that game last night. So uh, uh, anyway, Sunday morning, best best chance really for you to get the, the yes. latest up-to-date uh, lines and, and everything else. And in terms of betting, I understand there's ways to get ahead of the game this year, especially on totals. I think that's the case, but it's like, how, how can you bet on or against the lions this week? Not knowing if Stafford is there. We watched enough of this guy yeah. last year to know you got to wait, you got to wait, you got to wait mm-hmm. until Sunday. And I hate that. I love getting ahead and getting the lines before they move, yeah, but this is just not the year for that. For not sure, in 2020, so. man, now that you kids can't do it. I it mean, really it's, it's really difficult. It, it, there's a fluidity with everything, whether it be fantasy, whether it be wagering. And we're kind of, I mean, we're used to it to a certain extent because of injuries and stuff, but not like this. This is a totally different thing. And you no, almost really, if you're going to responsibly be making any good decisions, you almost have to wait until kickoff, basically. I think that's yeah. probably what we come down to for better or worse. Yeah. And, and, and look, we had it with San Francisco with Ayuk and these receivers who now may not mm-hmm. even be positive and, or, and, and there wasn't even a positive test. They had to miss a game. Uh, and in terms of injury, when was the last time that you, you did a waiver wire? You, you picked up a running back, Matt Breida, right? All Everyone ran to pick up Matt Breida. And as soon as the waiver went off, an hour later, you found out he may not play this week. It's like crazy. Like, it's like, That's I mean, nuts. you thought you made a really good move. You saved your money for a guy and you got your guy. And an hour later, you're like, wait, what? He's hurt. Like, it's it's just <laughs> yep. been, it's, it's been nuts. So, therefore, any name that you recognize on the list that we're about to discuss is probably worth starting. I'll start with that. If you know the name on the list, you probably have to start them because there aren't a lot of options. So let's go through it. David Montgomery at Tennessee. Yes. Justin Jackson against <laughs> Vegas. Maybe. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. Yes. Jonathan Taylor. Yes. Zach Moss. Yes. Singletary. Maybe. And then your Buccaneers. No. 
So go ahead. Take <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I think here's the thing. Montgomery's been underwhelming, right? So I just want to give everybody a so little bit of a confidence you boost here. You have to start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't want people – see, I think what's also creeping in this time of year is overthinking things. And I think it's important, just like it was a couple weeks ago. Do you remember we had Tyler Lockett on this list? And I said, hey, everybody, I know it's been a bad two weeks. Stop overreacting. I'm getting a lot of questions about Montgomery this week. Like I was getting questions about Tyler Lockett a couple weeks ago. What happened to Tyler Lockett at that 15-catch game that week? Yeah. Look, you have to take a deep breath sometimes and understand, yeah, it hasn't been great, but you know what? This is a good situation here against Tennessee. Tennessee's given up a lot of points this year, so you have to go with that. Justin Jackson is a little bit trickier. I think I would start him as well, though, despite Pope being there, despite a couple other issues there where they could go different ways, even with Kelly. I think you have to roll Justin Jackson out there against the Las Vegas Raiders. Hope for the best. Dobbins, I'm definitely starting. I'm starting Dobbins with confidence. Taylor, is. I am getting more questions about Taylor than anybody else this week. I would say just look at the practice reports today. What's he doing? What's he not doing? If you feel like he is – well, because here's the thing. If that injury that they alluded to last week at the after all the – well, what happened to where Jonathan Taylor go? He kind of disappeared. If you see more of that creeping up, like, oh, he was limited or all that, well, maybe then you do want to think about Wilkins, or maybe you do want to fire that up. Right now, I would throw Taylor out there, and I would try and hope for, again, I'm crossing my fingers, hoping for the bounce-back game, because you Mm -hmm. hope that it was just a one-off. And I think a lot of people sometimes react too much to the one-off. Just look at week one, Naeem Hines, and the overreaction to that. It's been Taylor ever since, up until what, last week, where it was... Hines and the other guy, right? It was Hines and Wilkins. Right. With Moss and Singletary, this is a situation where I'm going to pinpoint it here for those who have both people in this backfield. I would lean towards Zach Moss in this one because of the touchdown equity he brings. It's just, it's just a fact. Singletary could look better in this game, have more touches, do all the right things, but the equity there for touchdowns is with Zach Moss. That's the way I would go for that one if I could only start one of the two if I had both those guys. So, and and obviously. Look, when you're looking at those guys in Tampa, I'm gonna go with Fournette. Uh, it's it's just from the just from the volume. Back to Fournette. You have now. to go with the snap count. Look, but this is a, another situation where people have oh, both gosh. of them and they only have one spot. So what do you do, Craig? I'm gonna go with the guy who's on the field more, and the guy who's been on the field more for the last two weeks has been Fournette. It sucks, but it's true. I know, but it, I, I listen. If, if I you know, have no better, I know options, it could be Ronald Jones. Before. We all know, but you have to go with snap count right now. If we're talking about, you only have. Well, Jones fumbled and then they pulled him, and I think that was why. So, but, but that's not I, new I don't know. to Maybe. Ronald Jones. But that's not new to Ronald Jones. And Fournette it's, is better. It's than the not. But, it, but what happens if he starts the game then and he doesn't make a mistake? Well, Maybe he we're gets trying the, to make our best. You're the, right. There's it's not a. There's no right answer. It's best guess and best guess. I'm gonna go with the guy two weeks in a row has the right. higher snap count. That's it. That's all I can do. All right, we'll see. I'll go the other. I'll go the other side just for the hell of it. Good. Uh, I, also, I, I I'm curious. Has, has Singletary ever gotten a goal line carry in his life? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, he's got right? one or two, not many. But that's the problem with Singletary. I feel like it's either uh, the quarterback year or more. Last year in the second game, but that's the problem. See, see, Singletary almost had, he has to break a long run in order to score a touchdown. And he could very well do that in this game. There's no doubt about that. But I think you have to put your best foot forward, play for the touchdown. This game should have a fair amount of points in it with the way Buffalo's defense and Seattle's defense have played. And Josh Allen's the other guy. You got to worry about taking away those touchdowns. But at least we right. just saw it last week. Zach Moss was getting those opportunities. I lean towards the guy scoring the touchdowns. And that means even in PPR leagues, I think I'd lean that way. All right, let's take a look at wide receiver position, and we'll start with Pittsburgh, Juju Smith-Schuster. I would think it's all hands on deck against Dallas. I don't know why this would be a question. 
Yeah, okay. Jerry Judy against Atlanta. Uh, curious. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's Judy's time. We'll see. Christian Kirk's played very well for sure. Hollywood Browns talked a bunch, so maybe they'll reward him for talking by throwing to him. Mike Williams is so up and down with the Chargers. He's against Vegas. Cole Beasley, Mr. PPR, eight, ten points every week against Seattle. Amari Cooper didn't have a uh, pass catch until the second half of the game last week. And then, of course, Antonio Brown now pops back on our screen. Yay. Can't wait for that one. So uh, let's see. For me, um, Juju, yes. Judy, yes. Kirk, yes. Hollywood Brown, no. Uh, Williams, maybe. You can talk me into that. Maybe Beasley in a PPR. Cooper, yes. Antonio Brown, yes. I think yes on all these. Mm. Yeah. Who do you got? No. The Hollywood Hollywood Brown thing, you bring up the point of he's chirping. And what happens when guys start to chirp? They tend to get the football a little bit more, typically speaking. The only problem is you're going against Indianapolis, which is one of the better defenses. So I would sit Hollywood Brown too. I would go all in with any Steelers you have. That means Claypool. That means Juju. And I just put Juju on this list today just to make it an example of whatever you got. If it's healthy, even if it's Deontay Johnson, if you get a good thing that he's playing, you got to start everybody against Dallas. You just have to do that. Christian Kirk has four touchdowns in his last two games. You absolutely should start him. Williams is up and down. I'll tell you what. Let's say you have Beasley and Williams. Beasley has the higher floor. Williams has the higher ceiling. Look at your lineup and understand what your lineup needs and address it that way. Amari Cooper is barely a start, and I mean barely. But even last week, he still had seven so, I mean, like he's still got to look and say, okay, he's still got seven catches in there. So, I mean, there's opportunity there, even with the bad quarterback play for Amari Cooper at the very least. And Antonio Brown, it really is a roster-to-roster scenario there. I say I would sit him and wait and see. It's his first game back. He hasn't played football in forever. But, I mean, he's a freak of nature, so who knows? Maybe he, you can go out there and start him in desperation. I don't know how much upside. My problem is I don't know how much he'll be on the field. And that's why, for me, I think I would probably sit him – he might have the one or two catches and one or two moments in this game where he makes enough for a fantasy double-digit day. There's no doubt about that. But right. if he's only going to play 20 snaps, I don't know. That really doesn't put him in a good position to score a lot of points in this game. Yeah, it's basically on Godwin at this point. And we'll have, just have to wait and see if True. Godwin plays. If he, play, if he plays, I think that that's probably a good determiner. Okay, tight end. We got the two Iowa tight ends back-to-back here, Hawkinson and Fant. My guess is you do not have better options than these two guys. And then Trey Burton, who started to pop on the radar a little bit against Baltimore, and Mike Gusecki against Arizona. And, that, and that's, a, that's a tough one for me there because I haven't seen Tua play enough and target even the tight end enough to make a good decision there. So for sure, the first two, I'm not even on the fence, Joe. I would say start. Uh, Gusecki, I'm 50-50, and Burton, mm. I don't know. Burton may be a no for me. Yeah, Burton's probably a no for me, but if you're in a spot where you have him and Moali Cox, let's say, and you're trying to decide between those two, I think I would lean towards Burton because when Cox came back last week, Burton still got more opportunity, which I thought was kind of a, a strange development, but it seems like a fluid situation there, and Gasecki would be a sit for me. And moving on to the quarterbacks here, uh, Derek Carr against the Chargers, I would start him. I mean, the Chargers keep giving up late, you know, late game points, Take advantage of that and see if Derek Carr can do that. Carr has been really consistent this year. You go look at the game log for the most part, this guy putting up some pretty good numbers. Matt Ryan against Denver, I think you have to start him at home no matter what. It's Matt Ryan, whether Calvin Ridley's healthy or not. Drew Locke against Atlanta, I think in desperation right now, if you're trying to still piece together quarterback, I think you could start him. And then there's Cam Newton against the Jets, which once again, this is a, a, a super flex start for me. I think because of the matchup, you would do it, Craig, and you would take the rushing touchdown and then hope for the best, right? right? I feel like that's where we're at with Cam. Am I right? 
Yeah, and, and I think in a 14-teamer, I could make the case to start Cam. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I may start Locke over him, and it's good that we have his name above him because I think Locke is probably a mm-hmm. better start. I, I would gamble a little with Locke based on what I saw in the second half and think, okay, Broncos, you saw the recipe for how the NFL plays. You may want to try this for like a whole game. They got like, the to do it. Hey, man, they've got fam- they, they got Albert O. They, they threw 10 balls to Jerry Judy. I mean, look, if you do that consistently, you would think that Denver actually has some opportunity here in this game against Atlanta. They become a fascinating contrarian play on DFS this week that nobody's going to have them rostered, but there's certainly upside for some points here with Denver. No doubt about that. They don't try to do it. That's not the way they coach. Until that happens, I don't believe it. So, okay, Andrew Erickson will join us next, and we'll discuss Brian Hill, what his potential could be this week. Where is Todd Gurley in the pecking order as far as running back? So make sure you stay tuned. Also, our DFS discussion with Jim Sanis coming up as well. More fantasy sports today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here. And it's Thursday. You know what that means. It's time for a little past, present, and future with our good friend from Pro Football Focus, the one, the only, Andrew Erickson. Andrew, it was a wacky week eight, my friend, in the NFL. Hopefully there's some things we could take away from a fantasy perspective and move on from in certain ways, in the good ways, and maybe move on from in the positive ways. I'm going to try to be positive as much as I can, but it was kind of a brutal week eight, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, a lot of disappointments, a lot of weather, you know, making impacts on games. And I think that just kind of goes to the point where if you're you're on the edge about a start sit decision, hey, those dome games, man, you can get a team playing in a dome. I mean, you're usually going to see more points. So lean towards those. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start talking about a running back situation that this past week looked very interesting to me. And it was going on with the Atlanta Falcons in the Thursday game. They got a little bit more rest here. And I know I got to watch all four quarters of this one straight through. And it's no surprise that Todd Gurley doesn't have the same burst that he used to. But it seemed like Brian Hill was getting a lot more play in that game. And I'm starting to wonder if he is a guy that maybe in the second half, at least in PPR leagues, might become a potential flex league option. Because in that flex spot, I'm starting to wonder, like, is he maybe going to get the touchdowns? Because that's what Todd Gurley always does. He always gets the TD, kind of falls into the end zone. But at the same time, is Brian Hill in a spot where he might get more usage in this offense? Because, look, let's face it, he seems like the more dynamic back at this point. Yeah, Todd Gurley's never one to, you know, we're not going to be looking at him as a guy, oh, you're going to want him down the stretch. I mean, he had his stretch of games. You know, he had all the favorable matchups. He had the Carolina Panthers twice. And now looking at the head schedule, he's got Denver. They've got a good run defense. they got to play the Saints multiple times. You know, they have good run defense as well. So his matchups are getting much tougher. He's had the really easy ones. And basically right now you want to try to sell high on Todd Gurley that you can. And like you mentioned, Brian Hill did look good. Brian Hill's looked pretty good on all of his touches so far this year. But the one thing I will say is I think that in this particular game, I think it was by design. You know, Todd Gurley was on the sideline kind of like looking around like he wasn't. It was definitely by design. It wasn't like, oh, my knee's like on fire right now. It's inflamed. Like, please help me. And I think that has to do with the fact that they were playing on a short week. 
and they knew, okay, we're playing on a Thursday. You know, we can't give him the same type mm. of workload. Um, so I think it was a little bit more of a design. I would expect his workload to be pretty similar to what we've seen throughout the year, which also means, you know, he's not really involved in the passing game. But like I mentioned before, the matchups going forward are not there. They're they're much worse. So again, if you can trade high on Todd Gurley, that's what I would do. And I love stashing Brian Hill to the end of my roster, whether it's because he can, you know, offer PPR upside or the fact that something does happen to Gurley, which is not out of the range of outcomes. Right. Brian Hill would be, you know, an RB1 for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's a good point, though. So even though despite there's probably a matchup thing for a Thursday where he got so much play, there's still potential there the rest of the season for enough. Enough is certainly in this season to warrant some fantasy attention. <laughs> Let's talk about J.K. Dobbins, too, because I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. Dobbins out of the break right here, out of that bye, got a lot of opportunity, and he looked pretty good doing it. Now, Gus Edwards had his as well. Mark Ingram's been hurt and has been a disappointment even when he was healthy enough to be on the field. So is this a trend with J.K. Dobbins? Are we starting to feel good about starting him, or is this another weird one-off here? And it's very difficult to understand, but if you look back to last year, I know a lot of the rookie running backs really did better in the second half than the first. Is Dobbins going to be the next guy to kind of keep that trend going? I think that people are afraid to buy into Dobbins because we've been burned so many times by a similar rookie running back in Detroit. You know, we've got DeAndre Swift. He's got the juice, man, but they keep giving the ball to Adrian Peterson. But you need to look at those coaching staffs, total polar opposites of each other. The Lions, they just want to establish their run. They want to do this and that. The Ravens are an analytics-driven organization. They know what makes points go up on the scoreboard and they're going to look at everything and be like, wow, you know, how much more efficient is our offense when we have J.K. Dobbins? Dobbins rushed for over 100 yards against the freaking Pittsburgh Steelers. (laughs) Yeah, nobody can do that. And he and Gus Edwards almost both did it in the same game. So for me, you know, you look at Dobbins, he's actually leads the league this year. 33 percent missed tackle rate. That's Mm. number one in the NFL. So almost every three times a guy's trying to tackle him, he makes a guy miss on, on a per touch basis. So that's Awesome usage. So I think that Dobbins is someone that you can probably trust going forward. Mark Ingram at this point, again, this season has not been kind to anyone over the age of 30, not named Adam Thielen or, you know, if you're a quarterback, pretty much. Mm. And I just think that this is probably going to be the end of Mark Ingram. I don't think they're going to go back to him. I think it's going to be Edwards and Dobbins and moving forward. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. And it's a great point there. Great stat also about the broken tackles, too. That's something to really keep in mind going forward. And speaking of rookie running backs, we might as well talk about. Maybe the most frustrating one in week eight, and it's got to be Jonathan Taylor. He had a couple carries, and then all of a sudden, it's Jordan Wilkins getting 10, uh, 20. What am I saying? Not even 10, 20 carries. I almost can't say it because there's so much passion and anger behind the fact that Jordan Wilkins got 20 carries. Naheem Hines is running a muck all over the place. So what do we do now? I'm sure Jonathan Taylor owners are looking at themselves going, how do I go forward feeling good about starting this guy? Is this just another one-off? Or is this what they're going to do? Because clearly it's working. They're getting W's. They're scoring points here. But do you think Jonathan Taylor, the second half, is going to be a fade or a guy that's going to overcome this, what looks like a a bit of a pivot in terms of where the volume's going in this backfield? Well, I think that the important thing to note about Jonathan Taylor is they do still have to play the Steelers. They play the Steelers week 16. So that's the championship. So I have no problem if you want to ship off Jonathan Taylor. Again, a lot of their upcoming matchups are pretty good. But now we're seeing, you know, this is the first time Jordan Wilkins has like worked in. You know, he's also been banged up as well. So some of those games that Jonathan Taylor's had much higher volume came in games when Jordan Wilkins was either inactive or not playing. But we're going to have to accept the fact that this is a three three headed committee and Jonathan Taylor has not shown us at this point that he is good enough to deliver on 
anything but 20 touches a game. Like, he's not delivering those splash plays. And look, he's a rookie, okay? This doesn't mean that he's going to be terrible for the rest of his career. He can't do anything. But, you know, I think that we all got carried away watching him at Wisconsin and how great he was. And we kind of put him on this pedestal, and he's going to be the RB that leads you to the championship. And I just think that's not the case anymore. And that doesn't mean he can't be serviceable. It doesn't mean he can't be an RB. I mean, that's what he's been. He's been an RB, too. Again, I still think he probably offers more upside than a David Montgomery just because we know what he can do. But up to this point, he hasn't offered any of those you know, big plays. All right. So that's in the past. Now that's week eight. But give me a present right now. Rank the three rookie running backs that we've just been talking about and mentioning Dobbins, Swift, Taylor, rest of season. How would you want them if you were like trying to angle for a trade or trying to evaluate them? What would be your ranking of those three guys? I would probably go with Dobbins. Taylor and then Swift. I just still Swift. can't. Yeah. Cause the thing with Swift is just, I don't know what the, <laughs> I just don't have confidence <laughs> don't that the, the coaching <laughs> staff is going to use in the right way. And I at least know with the other two organizations, I have a little bit more confidence in their offensive coordinators in the play calling and just the offenses in general. I think, you know, the Colts have a good offensive line. You know, what are the lines? I, mm-hmm. I still don't know. Are they a run team? Are they a pass team? Like, what are they going to do with Galladay now? Are they going to be as efficient? They just have way more more question marks. And I think that Dobbins has probably the most upside if he, you know, actually encaps, actually gets the role. And, and Taylor, you know, he's had the role this whole time and he hasn't done anything with it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, without Galladay, you would imagine you want to get more playmakers the ball. So maybe DeAndre Swift should get a little bit more action. But like you said, the coaching staff doesn't always seem to make the right decisions. All right, let's do a little future here before we let you go. And let's talk about a huge Sunday night game here. I mean, this is going to have a huge rating. Obviously, you got Brady and Breeze part two. The first game was certainly interesting, but it was week one, which seems like ages ago. And obviously a lot has changed for both of these teams since then. And you've got Antonio Brown on the field. We'll see what happens with Godwin. We're not sure where he's at. So let's start with Antonio Brown. Do you have any expectations at all for him in this game? Let's say you have Antonio Brown, you added him. Would you be starting him or are you just kind of waiting and seeing here at this point? This is not a wait and see situation. You need oh, to start Antonio oh, Brown. Yes, give me why. Week. Give me why. You need to start. Okay, number one, the matchup is really good. You know, the okay. Saints have been absolutely atrocious against wide receivers this year. They've allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers over the past four weeks. Marshawn Lattimore, I don't know what happened to the Marshawn Lattimore we used to know, the shutdown corner. You know what? Is, In the second half of last year, Marshawn Lattimore did not have the same goods either. You could see it last year. I don't know if he lost a step either, but it's it's a carryover. I wasn't sure if it was just a one-off or he was hurt last year, but now it's starting to seem like a trend from carrying over from last year. Yeah, so he's struggling. You know, Malcolm Jenkins isn't the same. He's an older player now. He's not the same guy. Janoris Jenkins, since Janoris Jenkins is arguably better than Marshawn Lattimore has been. But again, he still struggles a little bit. He can get beat. And the last time we saw Antonio Brown play as a Pittsburgh Steeler was against the New Orleans Saints. He scored two touchdowns, had over 180 (laughs) receiving yards against this defense. So, again, it's the same defensive coordinator, Dennis Allen. Antonio Brown has the opportunity in this this spot. He's been sharing household, a shower with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's going to absolutely. (laughs) Hopefully not at the same time, although I don't know what goes on at Tom Brady's house. None of us really know. I don't know. But, I mean, we've we've seen Brady with him just develop this chemistry and that they use him. In part of the game, yeah. we saw, you know, the Buccaneers could use basically target anybody in that last game. We saw it was Jaden Mickens getting targets. You know, who was going to mm-hmm. project that? So, OK, so if, you know, it's not outlandish for me to say, oh, Antonio Brown's going to get targets. You know, we saw Jaden Mickens get targets in a game. We've seen Tyler Johnson pop up and have a big game. You know, these are just random receivers. This is Antonio Brown. So mm-hmm. for me and also you don't know how long this is going to last. You know, you don't know how, you know, they have a bye week coming up pretty soon. Is Antonio Brown going to stay behaved? Like you have him on your roster. 
It's a good matchup. I think that's enough to warrant a selection and a spot because, again, receiver production is so volatile anyway. You know, he's getting a good matchup. He's a good player. So I think this is a good. And also, Chris Godwin is questionable because they don't know if he can catch a ball. They're right. They're going to table his fingers together. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, ugh, what a tough situation they're in right now. And, and, and not to mention the running back situation, which, by the way, if you keep in score here every week with me and Andrew, this is one for Leonard Fournette. So I don't know. Are we even now? I think it's like five to three. I don't know where we are. It's crazy right now. Uh, Pittsburgh and Dallas. Things are getting weird in Dallas also because they're down to another third string quarterback on the fourth string. I don't even know what's going on there with these guys. Um, give me real quick your take on Dallas and what you can start from that group of guys under this quarterback situation. I know you got to start Zeke. What about the rest of them? And then on the other side, too, you're just all in with every Steeler you got, no matter what Steeler it is, because it seems like that's just the way to go whenever you play Dallas. Just uh, any piece that you have against that team, you just put in a lineup or put in a DFS situation. What do you think? So the Steelers defense on DraftKings is the most high priced defense in the history of the website. <laughs> and it's and it still may not be high priced high enough. Like that's like where we're at. I mean, yeah, you got to start every single Steeler. And again, if you're you pick the guy that just doesn't happen to score, you know, that's just, you know, dumb luck. But they all have such a high opportunity share, like Ebron, all the receivers, Ben Roethlisberger, James, like everyone, you got to play them. But on this Cowboys side, I know you mentioned Zeke again. You're just hoping that he can, you know, you know, maybe gets 30 carries for three yards, three yards of pop hits 90 rushing yards. Like (laughs) in the end zone. Maybe I don't know. Like that's what you need. And and I would say I would say Amari Cooper is probably okay too, as like a wide receiver two, you know, three option, because the Steelers have been kind of liable in the back end. They have given up some big plays because they are so blitz heavy. So if one of the quarterbacks can just get one off quick, you know, Cooper can take like a slant to the house or something like that. But again, and also, you know, it's not Ben DiNucci. So Ben DiNucci, he targeted Gallup 12 times last week. That's mm-hmm. not going to happen again because he's not even right. playing in this game. So I would say Cooper is like a wide receiver 2-3 player. But again, you only play him if you don't really have any other receivers. If you have another receiver in a better match. Like, I would probably play Antonio Brown over Amari Cooper. I like his match. <laughs> oh, I like wow. his match. I like his matchup more. We're so. already here. It's week nine. And we're already here. We're going to be playing Antonio Brown. <laughs> Over Amari Cooper, and I can't make an argument the other way. I just, I can't do it. You're probably right. All right, real quick, we got time for maybe one more here. Buffalo and Seattle should be a lot of points in this one, one would think. All of a sudden, Buffalo looked like we were showing a little bit of a running game last week. Stefan Diggs, surely in line to have a big game, but is there a secondary wide receiver in this game that you like besides Diggs? Because we know you can throw on Seattle all day long. Is there another guy there for you? Is it Beasley? Is it Brown if he's healthy enough? Or is this really just now about them running the football more? Yeah, I think I'd probably lean towards John Brown. Again, he ran a full amount of routes last week. He ran the same amount of routes as Stephon Diggs. Again, he's still coming back from that knee injury that's kind of, you know, hampered him a little bit. But when John Brown has been at his best, when Josh Allen has been at his best, those guys have connected a lot of big plays. So, again, you're going to need the best from Josh Allen in this matchup for them to keep pace with the Seattle Seahawks. So I think this is a good bounce back spot for John Brown. Yeah, uh, look, and also some – Certainly intrigue around the Seattle running backs as well. I don't even know if we have enough information to even get into them. But luckily, we've got enough information for a little fantasy trivia. So we come back. Andrew and I are going to uh, test the knowledge of you and maybe Andrew's as well. So stick around. More fantasy sports today right here on Sports Grid right after this. Don't go anywhere. Sports Grid. 
BetOnline.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, there is good news if you're an owner of Chris Godwin of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Looks like he will play this Sunday, according to their head coach, Bruce Arians. But the bigger question is, will he be part of a stack in DFS this weekend? Again, a little bit later of a game, so not on the main slate. Let's find out from Joe who he's got this weekend. And Joe, what do you got for your DFS stacks? Well, look, there hasn't been a lot of opportunity this year to start uh, Ben Roethlisberger. But here we are, because it's the Cowboys. They're in Dallas. And we're talking about value, good returns on investment. Look, I understand they're probably going to run the ball a fair amount, but you're crazy if you don't think Big Ben's going to have at least two or three touchdowns in this game and probably return value. It's 7-7. I'm actually surprised he's not higher than that. And I understand he hasn't had a huge fantasy game yet this year. But look, this is your opportunity. It's Dallas. Have we learned nothing from the last few weeks? Come on. Let's talk about James Robinson, too. With Jake Luton taking over at quarterback, I think there's a lot of checkdowns possibly coming here. That means against the Houston Texans, whose defense has been terrible, that James Robinson is definitely in play. At 7.3, I think it's a really good return, and there's a real chasm this week in terms of running backs. There's that top top of the board with CMC and Dalvin Cook, and then there's really nothing else that you feel really good about until you start getting to the big value guys in the 5K range. And those guys are like Dobbins and Moss and those kind of guys. But Robinson is one of the few guys left standing in the middle that I think is a good value. Allen Robinson is a good value every single week, okay? I don't care how good Nick Foles is, how bad Nick Foles is. Tennessee gives up points, 6.9K. This is a lock for me in cash this week. I think he is one of the best guys on the board. You feel good about him every week, no matter what he does. And then, of course, Logan Thomas against the Giants. Giants struggle against tight ends. He's getting a fair amount of targets here since Kyle Allen's taken over a quarterback. So I like that 5K investment if you're looking to kind of responsibly punt tight end. Again, big chasm this week. There's a lot of haves and have-nots at the position. So it's really tough to find some value. But those guys, I think, will return on their investment this week in FanDuel. Yeah, and and I think that it's interesting when you look at this week, it does seem like there could be more scoring opportunities. The last few weeks have been a little bit down. I think we are headed toward a big week. In fantasy, we'll certainly find out. All right, that'll do it for the first hour of our show. We're here two hours every day. So our next hour is coming up. If you're watching on demand, just basically turn it over to the next playlist over on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Jim Sanis is going to join us. We'll go through every team and every player in DFS. Our picks against spread for the West. Fantasy Sports Today, coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.